Welcome back to the 42nd episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. Today, I welcome Tegan Rasha to detail her extension to Team Canada and how she landed in Tempe, Arizona. When she was growing up in a suburb of Vancouver, Canada, Rasha played everything. I did like gymnastics and dance and stuff, but at five, I joined soccer and loved it, loved playing sports. And there's a sport in Canada called ringette, and it's similar to hockey, but it's pretty much just for girls. Um, so when I was six, I started playing ringette and soccer. Loved ringette, probably more than soccer, but I played the two for years. And then I don't remember what age, but I was doing ringette, and then I would do field hockey in the spring. And then I would do ringette and field hockey in the cross. And I was also doing like cross country in school and wrestling in school and swimming in school. So I kind of did everything I could get my hands on. And then when I was 12, I wanted to join track and field, but that was a much bigger commitment. So my mom was like, if you do track and field, you can't do any other spring sports. So at 12, it became ringette and track and field. And at that age, you do every event. So in like a weekend, you're like doing eight events, you're running, you're doing distance, you're throwing, you're jumping. And it's just so much fun. And I just fell in love with track and I fell in love with the individual sport and the people. It was so different than anything I'd ever done. Then I'm 15 and my track coach looks at me and like shows me some paperwork and says, this is how close you are to making Team Canada. This is how close you are to getting a scholarship to the U.S., but you can't do both sports because I would have had to do both five days a week. And it was almost like a no-brainer. So I went through tryouts in the fall for Riyadh and made the team. And then my coach said, you got to make a choice. So I said, oh, yeah, no-brainer. I'm doing track full-time. When her coach made her choose between ringette and track and field in 2012, a middle school-aged Rasha equally made the most important decision of her life to focus on track and field. This was the first individual sport she had ever dedicated serious time to. But it didn't take long to assimilate into the solo mindset. She began to excel at both the javelin and hammer throw, but it came with some roadblocks. At first, I loved how it was all on you, but... At 15 is when I also had to see a sports counselor for the first time because I was getting so burnt out. I would have a meltdown after every track meet. And I was kind of always reinforced growing up that like I had to be the best one out there and I always had to win. And it's much harder in an individual sport when you really can't control what anyone else does. So I guess less than a year after choosing just track in an individual sport, I go and see a sports counselor. And oh my god like absolutely changed my life like the biggest shift was instead of focusing on being the best i shifted to just doing my best and once i really believed that it was a totally different game like i stopped crying after every meet my performance improved and i was so composed and it was unreal like i recommend it to anybody ever how much it changed my life and then even even to this day like that's still in my mind when I get those feelings of like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, wait a sec. No, I'm, I just need to do my best. And that's all I need to do. Now halfway through high school, Rasha took time to sit down with the sport counselor and work through her performance issues. She was feeling overwhelmed with perfectionism and it was severely impacting her career numbers. When her mother suggested visiting a counselor to work through the idealistic mindset, she jumped at the opportunity to escape the funk. Her, one of her co-workers had been working with this counselor and said, you know, you should, you should really try it for Tegan because I was literally having an absolute meltdown after every track meet. No matter really what place I came in, 
matter really what I threw. And I honestly kind of felt helpless because I didn't want to be crying like that after every meet. And I, I did want help and I wanted this to stop. And I don't really think I ever thought I could have made the shift that I did. Like I didn't really expect to be like so freaking composed, but that yeah, my mom and I'm grateful she recommended him and that it was able to work out. And I don't know, I kept working with him too all throughout my career. In 2013, Rasha was working toward qualifying for the 2013 World Youth Championship in the Ukraine. What they do is they set out standards in maybe like the fall. So they set out like a list of standards for each event. And then typically you have to be top two in the country by a certain dates, maybe like June-ish if the meet's in July. So for a long time, you kind of know the standards you have to hit. And most of the time you have to like exceed the standards because a lot of people are going to make it. So I'll talk about the 2013 Youth Track and Field Championships. That was in Ukraine. And that was what I was working for all season. Like I quit Ringette for this. I'm, I'm all in. So I obviously would have had to have the personal best that season. I'm trained. I think the standard was like 52. And I'm pretty sure I, I get hit 52 pretty early on in the season but I was ranked third in Canada. So I knew I had to keep getting a personal best to get into first or second to make this team. And there actually was a tough moment in, I think April, the ringette team that I had quit ended up becoming the national champions. And that was a really tough moment for me because I hadn't eaten Canada yet. And I realized what I had missed out on. And I, I, I was so happy for them but really said that I didn't give you a part of that. And I made this big sacrifice and it hasn't really paid off yet. So I remember like being really sad when I heard, heard that news, but I just kept doing the season, doing the season. And I was going like to every single meet chasing this standard, like every weekend, you know, I was going to Vancouver Island taking a ferry to do meets over there. I was doing last minute meets anywhere I could find them. And I'm still in third place and there's one meet left. And also I could have made it. So I was a javelin and hammer thrower at that age. So right now I was in third place for hammer and I think third and javelin as well. So I was just here when I really wanted to be here. So last meet, I was really working the sports counselor because obviously this is do or die. And it was actually a crazy exercise we did. So we did, we visualized it. He's walking me through the whole meet I was about to go to. And right when I had like my final throw, he says, and you don't make the team. And I start crying when I'm just doing this visualization because I'm like, oh, my, I thought, of course, that he said he was, was going to make the team. And I cried and cried and cried and, and kind of experienced what it was like to not make the team. And I'm like, I really don't want to feel this way. So I was so dialed in. I had visualized. I was doing everything right to, to make this team. And first it was javelin. And I literally like threw my heart out. I remember trying so hard one throw I even like tripped on the runway and and I didn't have a great job on the meet so I wasn't going to world use for javelin and now I was literally down to the last day of the last meet of my last event and I'm throwing and it just feels like any other day like I'm not more nervous than usual I'm like pretty composed and I throw and I get a mark and I beat second place by three centimeters so like maybe an inch or two and that was it. And I, that throw had qualified me for Team Canada. So now I'm ranked second and just waiting for the qualifying period to end, which was a few days later. And then Team Canada sends out their official notification 
and I had made Team Canada by three centimeters at 16 years old. And it was like the best feeling of my entire life. And nothing will ever, ever, ever compare to the moment of putting on your national team gear for the first time. It's just a pride and a feeling that I'll never forget. And I still have my jersey hanging up in my room and it was the proudest moment of my life. Her trip with Athletics Canada was the first time she had ever left North America. And it became one of her fondest memories. They had to separate, like it was like all the British Columbia people and all the rest of Canada flew together. So I'm at the airport with about like, I don't know, a, a fifth of the team. And we're all like super excited 16 year olds traveling to Europe for the first time. And it was like three flights to get there. And it's my first time really out of the continent. I'd been to America before and never anywhere else. We get to Ukraine and we're in this like five star hotel. There's all countries from around the world and everyone's just probably wearing their, their gear and you can tell what country people are from. I think we were there for about 10 days and yeah, we just, it was, it's also very different competing at that level because it's not like you just show up and you check in with the official and you start throwing in like 10 minutes. At these kind of meets, there's a warm up track. So that's where you go warm up and then they put you into the tents and they take attendance and they shuttle you off to the, the stadium. So it was different. My coach had like warned me about that and said, this is how it is. And we did a couple of practices like that. And I just remember like, there was like a huge field. Like, I think it was like 70, 80 people in like two heats, ton of athletes. I've never been to meet that big before. And you only get like, you get three chances. That's how it works. Three chances and then qualifying and then top eight, get three more throws. And I knew I probably would only get three throws and I just kind of went for it. And it was, it was great. I saw like the pictures and looking back now, like, oh my gosh, I was, I was so young and I'm so glad that that dream came true for me. And that really was one of the highlights of my life, my track career for sure. Rasha finished 20th in the second group after throwing the three kilogram hammer, 54.13 meters. When she returned from the competition, she was primed for more time with Team Canada. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. When the 2014 Youth Olympics came to China, Rasha was just short of qualifying with her 53.45 meter throw. She placed fifth in the selection trial in Miramar, Florida, and would have to wait another full year to get a chance at representing Team Canada on the world stage. Obviously, I really wanted to make that team, and I didn't. So I don't want to make my track career sound like it was a fairy tale, because I was definitely their share of disappointments. So 2014, I didn't make Team Canada. And then it's 2015, my senior year of high school. It's the fall, so I'm doing all my recruiting trips, and it's, like, so exciting, and, like, life is, like, right there. And there's Pan American Junior Championships. So this side of the world for 18 and 19 year olds championship. And it's held in Edmonton, Canada. So I'm like, I'd get to be on a national team in my home country. Like that would be unreal. My parents could come, my family could come. Although it'd be nice to go to somewhere hot. <laughs> home country is pretty cool too. So that was a similar thing. There was a standard and then you had to be top two in Canada by a certain date. And I think you had to like place top two at nationals. There was one more step. So my season honestly started really shitty. I think the standard was like 47, 46, 47 meters. And I'm starting the season off throwing 41, 42. So I'm pretty far off where I need to be. But again, working with the sports counselors, still kind of believing I can do it and believing in that goal. And there was kind of like a, a shift in the season. I would drove down to Seattle for this meet. 
after school, three hours in a car, and I got a personal best at this meet. The Seattle Ken Shannon Invitational in May in Seattle set her hammer throw distance at 48.75 meters and her outdoor javelin at 40.74 meters. And that's kind of when my season shifted. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can throw that far and I can reach for that. I don't remember the details. I'm pretty sure I was like sitting in third around that time. Um, but I knew all it came down to was actually how I performed at nationals. So again, doing a huge lot of work with my sports counselor, knowing that like I cannot control what anyone else throws. And I'm at nationals and it was, I think I wasn't third and there was two girls ahead of me. One was my training partner and one was a girl from Ontario and we're throwing. And this girl, another girl in Ontario comes out of nowhere and she's now in first place. So the two that were suspected to win are now like not. And then I go and have another personal best and I'm in second. So the two that were expected to win are now in third and fourth. And then the two that are in first and second weren't really expected to go there. And because of the order of the throwing, I had my personal best and now my meet was done. I had my six throws, but those other two girls still had to throw. And in that moment, it's like, I have literally done everything I can and I can't control if these girls throw for them me or not. And I think that moment of being so composed and just knowing and saying, I did my best and that's it. And how proud I am of myself right now for getting a personal best is how I should walk away from this competition. Those girls didn't throw further and I am 18 Canada again. And I totally cried. Like I'm so passionate about things. So I definitely cry when big moments happen. And that was one of them. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And funny enough, that meet, it was in Edmonton and that's where the Pan Americans were going to be too. So in that moment, I was like, in a few months, I'm going to be right back here wearing Team Canada, competing against the best from the side of the world. And that was how I made Pan American Juniors. She walked away from that competition in a solidified second place after throwing her personal best 47.46 meters. That second place finish secured her one of only 63 spots that Team Canada would send to the 2015 Pan Am Junior Championship at the end of July. My best target meet, meet ever. I uh, was on the biggest competition of my life. I was on Team Canada. It was Pan American Junior Championships. And it was a pretty stacked field. And any other, like, year, like, about 50 meters would have placed you on the podium. And I really wanted to go on that podium. And I go out there and I have a huge personal best. 49 meters, 164 feet. And I placed seventh. And yet, if it was, like, pre-sports counseling, Tegan, I would have been, like, devastated. I came seventh. But I'm like, in that day, I literally had the best meet in my entire life and there was nothing more I could have done. So I was like, so, so, so happy that day. And I think that kind of sums up what sports counseling had done to me. It just helped me focus on doing my best and knowing I can't control what anyone else does and just dial into my zone and my plan. And that's how well it worked for me. That seventh place finish was still good enough to get her in talks with Power 5 U.S. coaching staffs. Rasha wanted to finally go somewhere warm to continue her track and field career. But the difference in national expectations caused problems collegiately. I have a recruiting process kind of like this. It, my dream was a Southern Pac-12 school. California, Arizona, just wanted to go somewhere hot, kind of West Coast. And I'm sending out emails to all these coaches. And I'm in touch with a lot of the places I want to go. But when it comes to like actually scheduling my visits now in the fall of my senior year, these coaches are kind of backing out or saying they don't have enough scholarship money because 
Like as a Canadian, we would never ever pay 50 grand plus for education. Like that's just unheard of. So I did need a huge scholarship to help with finances. So I knew my West Coast dream wasn't going to work out. So I kind of panicked, sent a bunch of emails off to coaches on the East Coast and heard back from quite a few. And at Virginia Tech, my teammate at the time had won the 2015 NCAA. So I'm like, I would lowly train with the national champion and also a bunch of other good throwers. A lot of Europeans were there. So I'd start taking my visits. My first one is University of Kentucky. And I don't know if it was my first visit or what, but I go there and it's like a Canadian on an American campus for the first time and getting wowed and everything is free. And I also was very determined to do these visits alone. So I'm flying across the United States as an 18 year old and doing my college visits and meeting with academic advisors. Loved Kentucky. I'm like, I might go there. The next week and I go to Virginia Tech and it was even better. And I just meshed with the teammates. I really loved Blacksburg. Loved the coach. Um, and then came home. I'm like, I think it's Virginia Tech now. And then the next weekend I went off to Mizzou. And I was like, this isn't the place for me. And I knew <laughs> after like the two like really awesome visits and I go there, I'm like, this isn't really the best fit. And I think I had another visit with Duke and Ole Miss, but I knew by that point I was going to Virginia Tech. So I canceled those visits and that's how I became a Hokie. Her time as a Hokie was short-lived. Living across the country from her family took an emotional toll on her. And not even ACC All-Academic Honors, All-ACC Second Team Honors, and a fifth-place finish of 45.98 meters in the javelin at the ACC Championship could keep her on the East Coast. When she approached the sports psychologist on staff with the Hokies, Rasha had an experience that only served to further solidify that Virginia was not the right place for her. This was my experience going to see her for the first time. She prescribed me antidepressants and told me to download this app for meditation. In our first meeting, and I came from working with a sports counselor who didn't prescribe medication because he can't. So I came from like just doing like homework and the visualization aspect. And then to go to another mental health pra practice practitioner and was given a prescription and an app to download, I like couldn't believe it. I'm like, how is this going to help me? Like I came from the experience that I need to like mentally work through things and to be given like kind of just felt like I was given band-aids and like this isn't going to really help me with my athletic performance and what I'm going through. Like this isn't solving like the root of why I'm struggling. So I never really saw her again after that and there really wasn't anywhere else to get help. So there was help. I wouldn't say it was helpful help. Staying in Blacksburg wasn't the right fit for her and Rasha soon sought out alternate plans. There's quite a few reasons. So I had just come off my great javelin performance. So I'm going in wanting to be a javelin thrower and not a hammer thrower because I kind of put hammer off to the side after this javelin season. And so I threw 49 meters. So only a couple more meters and I would like be close to being an all American. So in my mind, I'm like, it's kind of a no brainer that I, I just stick with javelin. And the coach there kind of had other plans and wanted me to be a hammer thrower. So I was throwing hammer like four days a week and javelin once a week. So track wise, I was, I was pretty miserable. Um, and then also like a lot of like naive freshman things. Like I'm on the other side of the continent alone for the first time in my life. And, you know, made like freshman mistakes and things like I wish that didn't happen. And also like gained a lot of weight, which is really tough on, on me too, because I was, I never, it was kind of like the wake up call, like 
so everything I kind of learned in sports counseling, I kind of forgot about and should have applied, but just focusing on the externals and that kind of motivation. It, I knew by Thanksgiving, I was a hundred percent going to transfer. So it was pretty early on. I was set on it. I'm like, I, I don't really like it here. I don't really want to be here. It just, it turned out not to be a good fit, but I also think underlying, I always wanted to go to the West coast. <laughs> Her immediate attention went out west once more, and this time, the result was well-received. The coach that was at Arizona was at Washington when I was in high school, and that's a pretty common place for a lot of people from Vancouver to go because it's three hours away, but it's still another country. But my naive high school self was like, no, it's too close to home. Like, I want to go somewhere hot. And looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, great city, great school. Like, why did I brush it off? But anyways, he then got the job in Arizona right after my freshman year. So I had this connection to this coach down in Arizona because transferring is kind of a risk because you you request to transfer from your school and then you really hope another place picks you up. So I kind of, I had this connection in the back of my mind in a hot school. So that's kind of how the, the transferring went. I requested my release, which is obviously a really hard conversation. and And then I end up in Arizona a few months later. Realizing that the coaching staff was bad for her took an emotional toll, and it not only impacted her transfer away from the program, but also the athlete that the University of Arizona received. Track-wise, did not go how I wanted. So my best ever throw was 49 meters in grade 12. Virginia Tech, I threw 48 meters. And then well, some, in that transfer, I think, a part of me kind of died. <laughs> like my passion for track was gone. My heart was no longer into it. And I was fighting that. And I was wondering where it had gone. And it, like, it broke my heart. Cause I do remember the summer between transferring that I was at a meet and I just like, felt like I had nothing left. And it broke my heart cause I wanted to be an all American. I wanted to be on team Canada again. I had all these big goals. And so I transferred there and my coach is still obviously so fired up about having me there. And my first year, I just didn't really go that great. So I decided to redshirt. And I, I think I was kind of like, oh, it's still there. My passion's still there. My heart's still there. And honestly, it just never came back. So it's now my junior year and I'm like full-time into, into journalism now. That was always my plan to study journalism. And I'm like, I'm really loving school. And this is the first time in life I've really liked it. Like, I always got good grades, but never liked it as much as I liked the athlete part. But I kind of felt like I had no choice but to go find something else that I was good at because track wasn't there. And it was so hard every single day practicing and putting my heart and soul into something that I see is, like, slowly fizzling out and feeling so helpless. And the thing that was different about that time in my life than when I was a teenager is I had no desire to really fix it anymore. I had no desire to see a sports counselor and solve this. I was just, I was beyond done. And I was like, now it's a way of pain for my school. And it's an amazing experience because it was always my dream to go to school summer hot in on the West and here I was. So for my junior year, just kind of like battled it out, did the meets and it was tough because I, I kind of felt embarrassed in competition season because it was so far off what I knew I was capable of. And no matter how hard I tried or how bad I wanted it, it just did not work. 
recognizing that her love of the sport was shifting in its intensity, while she still had a commitment to U of A, was a difficult dichotomy to swallow. I really think it was my heart not being in it. And because I know the power of mental strength training and, and uh, sports counseling. And like, I know like when I don't want to be there, it's not really going to go well. So yeah, it was, I want to say, oh, it's only physical, but like, I really think it was, it was in my mind, maybe a combination of a training plan that wasn't the best fit for me. But I just, I didn't, wasn't feel like I was getting better. And another thing is knowing my strengths as an athlete, looking back on my life, because I've always had a, I had a lot of time to think about my athletic career is my strengths as an athlete do not line up with throwing. Like I'm not a super explosive, big, strong person. I'm almost like an average in every single like athletic skill. So I was much more suited when I played ringette, some of the hockey. And that's much more aligned with like my skill sets as an athlete. So also looking back now, I'm I even surprised how much success I had in track and field. Like I really think a lot of it was pure will and determination. Like I would never like test well on it, like when we'd have like testing day. I would always be like so far behind my teammates. It was so frustrating. So like I can't try as hard as I can. I'm just not gonna like explode and throw a ball as far as other people. So it was, it was cool to see, like, I guess what you can will yourself to do. Say I played lacrosse or played hockey or stuck with field hockey. I wouldn't have gone to Arizona. I would have probably gone to a Northeast school. And that's always something I wanted was to go to school in the sun and to tan on my Saturdays and live under the palm trees. And that totally came true. But if I did another sport, I wouldn't have gone there and my life would have been completely different. So I, I don't know. I, if I knew track went like that, I don't, I don't know because I wouldn't have gone to Arizona and like that is something that really meant a lot to me. And I think it all worked out how I meant to. And I had so many amazing experiences, like take track aside. I fell in love with journalism and met some unreal people like you through journalism. Like we would never met if I didn't go to U of A and some of the experience I got to have outside of school and trips and friends I've met it I wouldn't have it any other way as much as it hurt and broke my heart for years and I cried so much about it and like it's not like I didn't care and it didn't matter to me it really mattered to me and I really really cared and even to this day like I could still cry about how much I miss track and how much my kind of heart aches, how it went. Like it, it's something that really, really means a lot to me. So me thinking that I was just there for my degree and like slack as, as an athlete, not true. I put my heart into it every single day. Rasha had for so long aligned her self-worth with her ability to throw a hammer and a javelin that once the passion dwindled, so did her perceived appreciation for who she was outside of track and field. I was like, oh my gosh, what else can I be? And that's when I became a journalist. But that's all I really ever wanted to be. And all I dreamed about since I was a kid was being an athlete at the highest level. So it was totally part of who I am. And I really, really, really struggled with it as I watched it like totally fade away. And it forced me to see what else I'm good at. And it forced me to be like, oh my gosh, outside of being an athlete, I'm these, this, and this, and this. But that doesn't mean I still wanted to be an athlete so badly. Like even to this day. And I've actually gone back to sports now as, as an adult, but 
it's like a party that's like it's inside me it's not just something i could be taken away and i also realize now like i can still play sports as an adult too and still like have that piece but i saw myself as an athlete i still see myself as an athlete but another thing i've learned is that especially here in canada like people don't give a fuck that i wasn't an all-american like all they see is i went to u of a on a sports scholarship and i think that's so freaking cool but in my mind i know how it went but to 99% of the world, that doesn't matter. When she realized that the only person who cared about her past failure was her own mind, she began working through that process. Finding self-worth and self-love outside of sport requires something different for everyone. But Rasha found that her mind cleared best when putting pen to paper and conceptualizing her thoughts through journal entries. So I have a journal that I write in all the time, and if I get in days where I start writing about my athletic experience, like the waterworks will just come. So even when I think about my own life and start writing about it, I'm very emotional about it. Watching some videos or other athletes experiences, totally, like I remember I watched like Lindsey Vaughn's documentary a few years ago and that gave me the waterworks too. Not necessarily looking at pictures and stuff, but just like when I just sit and like really deeply think about it or talk about it out loud, like that's when it can it start to bring up the tears. <laughs> She's still triggered by watching track and field athletes compete at national and international levels, but now it's appreciation for the process that she feels. I still feel the excitement and the jitters that I felt as a kid. Like I had so much fun to see like the best of the best and and to know what it takes to get there and to know that these people had to be so dominant in their country and meet standards. And, and, and Americans, they have to perform at, at the trials, which I cannot imagine. Like it's, it's different in a lot of other countries. It's more of a trial period. But to know that these athletes are the best of the best and to know that they're like pure athleticism. Like I think that's what track and field is all about. It is pure. Are you fast? Do you have endurance? Are you explosive? Can you jump high? And and that's what I love about the sport is you can't like argue things. It's either there or it's there. You ran that or you ran that. I love track and field and watching the Olympics and I still have a ton of friends who are there at a high level. So watching other people get their track career, it's really, really awesome to see. Upon graduation in 2019, Rasha was drawn back to the first sport that caught her attention, ringette. At the time, she was working at a news station in Arizona via work visa and couldn't find an opportunity with the Canadian-based sport. But following her dormant passion for team sport drew her back across the northern border. It was kind of at a crossroads because I wanted to work in the United States so bad, but I also knew if I wanted to play ringette again, like that was kind of only in Canada. So I ended up getting a work visa, which is a whole other story in itself. Um, and I was working down in the US after I graduated and ended up moving home six months later and then COVID hit and I still like, I live in Canada now. Like I really want to play ring out again. So I reached out to the team. I was also back in my parents' house. So I reached out to the local team and I was playing with the same girl that I played with eight years ago. And it was so crazy that like eight years have come and gone and here we are all in the same dressing room. And now we're all in university and we drive ourselves to practice now. So I was playing with that group and because of all the restrictions and everything, it was just, practices so actually not the worst thing ever for someone who hadn't played in eight years but it felt like I hadn't missed a beat like I was right there stabbing the ring I was skating fast and it felt so good to be back there 
Um, it kind of sucked there were no games, so that is the fun part, but I got to practice and then I got the job I'm at now in Alberta, Canada. And Alberta was always super good at ringette. They always had a ton of girls that played and they always would be really good teams. Even though I'm kind of in like a smaller town and not one of the cities, I knew there was going to be ringette here. And I joined again and now I'm on a league with obviously all brand new like women and girls. And it is amazing to be back. Like it makes me so happy. Like I, I tear up when I talk about being back on the ice and we had our first tournament a few weeks ago on the road and I just could not believe I was on the road again for a ringette tournament with a group of girls sitting in a hotel and it means it means so much more to me than just playing on a woman's team. It means that the part of me that I thought died in college is still in me and alive and well. It means I, my passion is there. And the thing I love about team sports is I can play my freaking heart out on the ice and I do and I get the results. Like. I see my hard work pay off where in track you work your heart out, but it doesn't always work out. So I find it's more rewarding that like, you know, I have like a bad game, but play my heart out. I'm still kind of off the ice and I'm tired. And I, I knew I gave my all if it wasn't my best day, but track and field was, was kind of a different story. When she got a job back in Canada, it proved to be the turning point in the rut she'd been facing. I, when I moved back home in January 2020 from my stressful Arizona job, I knew I needed help. Like that was the most depressed I'd ever been in my entire life. I had never been so low and I knew I desperately needed help. So I, I came home and I, I reached out to that sports counselor I worked with at 15 because out of all the people I had worked with throughout college, he was the only one that I really ever felt better working with and felt results with. And and really notice a shift. So that was oh, two years ago. Oh my gosh. So, and he was retiring at the end of last year. So I'm like, if I ever work with him again, now is my chance. And this process has been a lot longer than I thought. I thought it'd be a few months and I'd be on my way. And I am still working with him to this day. So I'm still getting help. I'm not perfect, never will be, but I have learned so much about myself these last few years doing this counseling as an adult versus 15 because now I have all these, these life experiences behind me and more of an adult brain and now I'm really seeing the difference so I totally am like all for mental health and and help and I'm getting it and I'm noticing a difference and I'm so 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 grateful that I'm I get counseling because I know it's such a privilege and also like being in Canada a little more affordable a little more accessible and that's one of the reasons I didn't really get help when I was working in the U.S. because I made a journalism salary and had no benefits. So, so grateful to have help and totally encourage it. And I'm like totally like, not afraid to talk about it because it's helped my life so much. And I know a lot of other people that I've come across are so like opposed to it or hesitant to it. And I say, go for it. You have nothing to lose. If you've ever felt like Rasha and wanted to seek counseling, but didn't know where to start, I have a perfect option for you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm so thrilled to be working with them. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? All of the stories I've told thus far have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes and team personnel. But what happens before they're comfortable speaking about some of the most difficult times in their lives on such a public forum? Nearly all of them, including Raja, have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. 
Now I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I've partnered with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them anytime. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change therapists. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, like Rasha was, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help that you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also down in the show notes. When Rasha announced on Instagram that she was officially back in the sports world after the brief hiatus, the post garnered hundreds of favorites and so many comments that it left Rasha speechless. Her post included pictures of her as an athlete from various periods of her life and was captioned, quote, This is something I've wanted to say for a while. As student athletes, I feel like there's an expectation we smoothly transition into a professional job and a life after sports. Don't get me wrong, I love my job and what I do, but it's been two and a half years since I retired from track, and it's been hard. I've lost weight, gained weight, coached, and tried every different type of exercise. Nothing has seemed to fill that void. So this weekend, as I head off to my first ring at tournament in nine years, I'm getting flashbacks to the little girl who fell in love with sports. The part of me that so deeply missed being a competitive athlete is starting to feel a little bit more healed. The post has 34 comments from a variety of collegiate and professional athletes who have all resonated with Rosh's journey. And she hopes that in sharing her story with closer mentality, other former athletes will resonate too. I knew a lot of my athlete friends felt similar, but I don't know. We just, I never really saw posts about it. And my, I found my social media is very just like, oh, here's what I did today and here's this. But obviously I'm a much more like in-depth and emotional person than that. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to make this vulnerable post because I've been feeling this so deeply and playing again this weekend means so much. So I would like the trigger for that post is obviously the tournament that was coming up. And I'm, I started out in my journal entry. So I'm like writing out what a caption would be. And as I'm writing this caption, I'm just like bawling, full on meltdown, uncontrollable tears as I'm writing this. And I'm like, oh my God, that felt so good. Cause I was obviously so built up in me for so long. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to post this. I'm going to tell the world like that I think I honestly I come across it like oh I transitioned so easily from track and field to being a journalist but like that's not the case I didn't really want to give that perception but no like I've struggled and I've missed it and my heart aches for it as as much as I love my job now it doesn't mean I can't still miss something and I'm also so fortunate to be able to go back to a sport and have a sport to do and not kind of just be stuck with the gym because Going to the gym is much different than actually being uh, an athlete on a team. I couldn't believe like the variety of people, like pro athletes, current athletes, former athletes, like friends, parents of friends. I I was touched that my story resonated with them. And I'm so glad that 
other people know they're not alone in, in this feeling. And like, I did not expect it to be like so well received, but because it was kind of like, kind of helped. It was like part of the healing, I guess. Then, you know, I'm struggling and so is everybody else. And sports is something that not everyone understands. Like not every athlete, people who weren't athletes right now don't really understand. They probably just like, why is she sat out missing a sport? But it's because it's our identity. We do this every single day. And it's a dream we think about 24 seven since we were kids. So when the day you graduate and it's over with, like that kind of is a big shot. What Rasha hopes resonates is that self-worth is not tied to the finite things. It's not tied to goals or distance thrown. It's not tied to meter swam or baskets made. She says that if she could go back and tell something to her 12-year-old self, it would be to be kind to that perception. Oh my God, I'm like tearing up. <laughs> that, was not, that was not the intent. But... No, I get really like emotional when I think about it and, and my journey. I wish I learned and I'm still learning it, but learn to like love myself more, no matter what I did, like on and off the field and not for any externals, just for being me. Cause I was always chasing these externals and these, uh, the outcomes. And I wish I just like loved myself as I was. And I think that would have helped me with everything because I wouldn't have had that pressure on me to have performed so well. I would have just played cause I loved it. I would have just gone after things cause I loved it. I, I maybe I wouldn't tell myself to consider team sports a little bit more, but also you, you can't control passion. And I had the passion for, for track, love myself more, take care of myself more, have a lot more confidence in myself unrelated to externals. Cause that's the other thing I would always crutch on those things. And rather than looking inwards and having that confidence and that love, no matter what, like those are things I wish I had, but at 12 years old, I'm not sure who really does. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the 42nd episode of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. You can follow Tegan's journey on Instagram at Tegan Rasha and send Closer Mentality follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Closer Mental. If you or someone you know would be a perfect guest, I'd love to connect. Send us a DM on Instagram and we can set up an interview. Next week, Yankees minor leaguer Chase Illick sits down with me to talk about minor league culture, clubhouse reception to mental skills training, and the infamous off-season housing crisis. I'm so excited to share him with you. But until then, see you next week.